Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. It's the end of the world, I tell you. It's the end of the world. Yeah, we Episcopalians don't do that much, do we? We don't do a lot with apocalyptic stories. We don't talk about the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast that much. You know, we kind of think we're a little more sophisticated, don't we? And that we leave that to our Pentecostal sisters and brothers to do that kind of stuff. Um, End of the world, indeed. I've said in previous Advent sermons, I remember being in college and someone giving me one of those tracts about how we could know when the end was coming, and I started doing the math and thinking, if I go finish undergrad and go to grad school and then maybe a little internship, I won't ever have to work the rest of my life. (laughs) I was ready to sign on. But we do tend to do that. And you know, as Episcopalians, we get here to Advent and um, we hear about apocalypse and stars falling from the sky and earthquakes and tsunamis and all this stuff and then we have the next two weeks John the Baptist shouting repent at us and it's like we want to go la 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 for about three weeks until Mary comes and we go isn't this nice (laughs) yeah Mary how sweet and we're at the beginning of a new liturgical year reflecting on the past year anticipating this new year And I find myself having a bit more resonance this year with apocalyptic readings. As we begin this new year on so many levels, at home and abroad, so many different ways in this past year that, as one friend of mine has said, we have seen our basic ideals and values just trampled with seeming no consequence. The very things we hope and believe in that seem to be falling apart from the skies. We're seeing the exposure of deep emotions here and abroad that we had kind of hoped really, we kind of knew maybe, but really had hoped weren't even particularly in us, in ourselves. I will admit that in this past year, I have had to face some of my own naivete of how systems work And do the powers and the structures really work for people as much as I thought? They weren't perfect. I wasn't that naive. But um, I think I've been a bit more naive than I really wanted to admit. It's been a time of great foundation shaking, where the heavens and the earths have been shaken, literally. Where we are experiencing these trampling of values like so many spiritual, cosmic, literal, tectonic plates shaking like so many cosmic tsunamis just seeming to wash away the things that we thought once were part of our foundation. Apocalypse indeed. And more than once this past year, I have found myself with the psalmist saying, how long, O Lord, how long must we sing the song? And in these times, I believe we will be saved by apocalyptic readings. Because these stories weren't some fantasy that someone created to say, wouldn't it be interesting if the world operated this way? These are stories that seek to explain real moments, real time, not future time, but real time, live, that generations for millennia have created and passed on. 
and that generations before us have held onto and understood as, yeah, this is our experience of the world. And I would suggest that for those of us who are just now starting to have some affinity and connection with apocalyptic readings, we've been really fortunate. Maybe not. <laughs> because for the vast majority of the human species, for the vast part of history, this has been the experience. That's why the stories have stuck around. And we might think, you know, those are kind of strange stories. But for much of the human species, they have had resonance for all of history. Your ancestors lived in times where justice was made mockery by those who quoted Scripture and said, Lord, Lord. We hear that in our Scriptures. Your ancestors experienced life where the most vulnerable were labeled immoral and scapegoated by religious and civic-robed people. Apocalypse isn't the stories of a fringe sect. They're our stories, and they're the stories of our ancestors. And I found myself, and I don't think this is original with me, beginning to wonder, when was it that the followers of Jesus began to think that actually maybe these stories aren't our stories? That actually we could kind of live above them? And again, this isn't original with me, but I really resonate with it. That the, re the reality of this, of thinking somehow these aren't our stories, um, were the fruit of one of the most unfortunate conversions to Jesus in the history of the world, that of Constantine. Because as soon as Constantine comes into power and comes to Jesus, well, suddenly we begin this kind of dalliance with powers and principalities. And suddenly we come into this kind of dalliance of legitimacy. And then suddenly we're worried about losing it. How do we keep the power? How do we get the power? We have been confusing our story ever since to our death. Dalliances with these powers. Ever since, we thought that somehow the structural powers were really our salvation. If we just get enough power, if we just get enough people in place, we can control this for good. Amen. <laughs> Glad someone's listening. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you've heard me before. I'm not saying don't be a citizen. I'm not saying don't vote. Don't collectively get your voices and speak to what we see in our communities. Double down on that. But let's stop the pretense that somehow that's going to be our salvation or it ever was. Because what these stories, these foundational texts are saying is we have never believed that we were legitimized by being in power. But what we're passing on is stories about how we exercised our lives, how we chose to live, how we chose to go out those doors when we experienced, as we say in our baptismal vow, powers and principalities of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. That didn't come out of nowhere either. That's what these stories are saying. How is it that we live when we acknowledge this reality? But since the time of Constantine, we've been willing to drink the mood-altering drug and the delusion that we can just get a little more control and power 
And this is where the apocalyptic stories are our salvation. Because they ask us questions like, in what powers are we trusting? To what powers have we given over ourselves and our hopes? What foundational truths and stories have we given away like so many birthrights for the warm meal that we might have legitimacy and power and control? These stories are our salvation because they also call us to think, what do you do when things are crumbling? I think Jesus is calling, but whoever needs to answer that, amen. We'll wait a minute. Don't look up. Don't look up. Let them turn the phone off. (laughs) Pray. Look at your knees and pray to Jesus and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Again, they're our salvation because they ask us and they call us to say, what do you do when things are crumbling apart? Well, of course, what would you do? You get up and get busy. Get out there and do something. What are you sitting here in church for? The world's falling apart. And Advent says, you know what, when things are falling apart, what do we do? We wake up, and we watch, and we pause, which sounds crazy. But what Advent is saying, when you see these things, don't just keep doing the things you've always been doing. It's that famous quote like, what got us here are not the things that's going to get us out of here. And we're not going to learn that until we stop and pause and look at some things and are willing to say, you know, I thought it was this way, but this one really doesn't seem. And I can only do that, we can only do that, when we stop and wake up and get quiet. And listen long enough to say, what are you seeing? What am I seeing? We really started Advent early this year. We started in August. We started it with the koinonia process, where we said, it's 2017, and we want to pause and see what God wants to show us about how we can be engaged in the community. And rather than just being what, you know, kind of good resourced people do and saying, ah, we see a problem, let's just run out those doors and take care of it. We're real good at that. It's been about as deadly as Constantine's conversion, actually, but we're good at it. But instead we said, let's pause and listen, and get awake. And let's see what's going on in our community that maybe we haven't seen before. And let's see what might be more broken than we thought, or broken in ways that we didn't understand. And we don't just stop there. We're saying, and where are there signs of life that we haven't seen? Where are things going on in communities that because we've been doing our thing, we haven't stopped long enough to see where that life and health has already been called forth and where people are doing fine in their own communities, thank you, and would love partnership but not our conversion? Where's the health? Where is life being birthed? I mean, that's what Advent's all about. It's about waking up and recognizing where we have sold our souls to the powers and the, and the myths of the powers. But in with doing that, we also see where life is already breaking in that we wouldn't have seen when we stayed attached to those fantasies. Because then our eyes can see where the life is already stirred up. 
Stir up your power among us, O God. This is why these stories are so glorious, because God's saying, stop long enough to see what's fallen apart, because then you will find out what's within you and the community and how I get birth through that. And what I'm realizing is Advent isn't just a season, it's a way of life. It's a model of action and contemplation and contemplation and action, either of which is deadly without the other. If I go off and say, you know, I'm going to take five years and go watch and wait, that's really not very helpful, is it? But if we just go barreling out those doors, we're going to keep repeating what we've been repeating. And what life is about is a series of actions and contemplations. Gather the people, tell the stories, break the bread, go out. And we're realizing that that's not just done here, that what God is saying is get out in the community, gather with people who are already gathered out there, hear the stories, share the meals, go forth. See the advent of God that's taken place out there, not just in here. That's what this process is about. That's what Advent's about. A way of life where we are continually acting and pausing. Acting and pausing and seeing what's in front of us and what we need to see before we just go out barreling into things. Because if we don't follow that rhythm of action and contemplation, of contemplation and action, then we're just going to give ourselves to the next promise of an emerald city that someone throws at us. And sisters and brothers, I have given my life to so many doggone emerald cities. Religious, civic, they're always disappointing. But I still try. And so Advent is saying instead, be awake, watch, gather the people, tell the stories, all of them, share the meals, and see what's being birthed in your midst. So what will this gestation look like? For what are we watching? Well, that's why we watch. That's why we pause. That's why we gather. So over these next weeks, let us pause and watch. And then let's report one to another where we are seeing the life of God in our midst.